listeners, welcome today. We're we're happy to invite you as we have a great conversation with Bill Barth. It's Mark and Annette with you once again, and uh, Phil coming to us from Ohio. We're sure glad to have you with us tonight. Thanks for having me, Mark and Annette. Great, great to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. And, uh, you know, we were talking before we uh, began our program about uh, maybe some different conversations we might have as we talk about experience. And, and you know, we that's what life is all about is experience, isn't it? We have opportunities to to have experience, but more important than the experience itself, it's the opportunity to grow. And uh, I, I'm thrilled to be talking with Phil about uh, some of the experiences that he's had, specifically with his health. Mm-hmm. And yep. as, we, as we begin our conversation, I'm not going to share too much to our listeners about uh, your story, because I think it's a great story. It's a unique story, but it's something that I think that all of us think about a few times in our life. For sure. Now, where are we at with our health? Are we doing the things that we need to be doing with our both our physical health as well as our emotional and mental health? And you know, they they interplay with one another. We've we've spent a lot of time talking in some of our podcasts about emotional resilience, and uh, there's a big section that we talk about uh, stress management. And uh, Phil is going to share with us some of his ideas for healthy living. So once again, Phil, welcome. Thank you again for having me. This is going to be fun. Let's let's talk a little bit about uh, who you are, where you're from. I I know that uh, you've done some great things in your life. You've you've written a book, and we'll talk about that. Great things happen every day. Finding joy with family, friends, and banana milkshakes. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Now, there's got to be a backstory behind that, but I know it starts with a health issue. Right. Yeah, so... In 2015, I was at scout camp with my youngest son, and I had a heart attack. Oh, no. And, you know, you you complain sometimes about the weather in the tent, but you really didn't want to take an ambulance ride to get out of it and and go to the hospital. But I, I was feeling bad. I didn't know that it was a heart attack at that moment. They took me to the hospital. They ran some tests. They said, yes, you've had a small heart attack. And then they put me in, and the next day I got a couple of stents. And and this was kind of what started the journey for taking my health taking and taking stress management. And as you mentioned, the, the mental, the physical, and the emotional are all so tightly woven together. And, and so this is where it started, because after they put the stents in, the next day the physician came in and he said, you know, you need to manage stress. And I wasn't expecting to say that. I was expecting to hear about diet and exercise. And, and I, I did some exercise. My diet was fair. So I was expecting that. And, and no, he said, you need to manage stress. And he said, it's not worth it. He said, I want you to try and take one week off every three months. And and I knew I was going to because he said it in front of my wife. So I knew. <laughs> that was going to happen. <laughs> that was going to happen. That's right. So fast forward through, you know, went through the recovery, started back in at work. And my wife at the end of March, the next year said, okay, it's been three months. We're, we're going to take some time off. We're not going to go on a vacation because I'm still recovering, but we're going to just take some time. It's our youngest son's spring break and you're going to take the week off. And I said, okay. So the first day we went to the zoo. And at the end of the day, I got on social media and I typed up, hey, these were the great things that happened today. You know, we we saw a baby cheetah. We saw we got to feed the giraffes, et cetera, and, and posted that on social media on Facebook, I believe. And I got a bunch of likes. And, and of course, if you get likes on Facebook, it's like, whoa, that's that's the <laughs> currency of social media. Right. Uh, but but the other side of it was I felt better just saying it. So. Next day, I think we went to the art museum and I posted the great things that happened at the art museum. And I did it every day that week. And at some point I said, I wonder how long I could keep finding great things. And the answer is, what, five and a half years now. And, and you just, the, the more you look, the more you find. And, and it's retraining my mind and retraining your mind to go away from finding what's bad in the world, seeing all the bad news and looking for what's good. And and banana milkshakes, by the way, were one of the things I found that was a great thing. 
know, I I love how you shared that with us and how that simple, simple post of these are the great things today has really changed your life. And no. and because we focus on those things, it changes the trajectory of where we're headed. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're, you're going to get what you focus on. There's a study years ago that, you know, if you close, close your eyes for a, a brief second and then you think about the color green, when you open your eyes, you're going to see something green because that's what you've told your mind to focus on. So if you train your mind to focus on what's good, it's going to keep giving you that. And if you train your mind to focus on what's bad or what's depressing or what stresses you out, it will give you that. It's it will whatever you train it, it will give you. So when I started focusing on what was good and what was good in my life, that turned that that lowered the stress and that turned my physical health around. So how has that uh, physical health changed helped you with your emotional and uh, mental health? Yeah. So like we said, it's it they're all kind of tied together. Uh-huh. And, and uh I did change my diet too. There, there were some things. I, you know, I still have the banana milkshake, but but I did change the diet for the physical. But it just, it, it's one of the connections I think is, you know, you one of the great things I like to do is take a walk with my wife, and so we'll go out every day and walk. We live on an old country road, so we can sometimes walk a couple miles and see one car. Well, you know, I'm going to go out there because I enjoy it, because it's a great thing, because we have fun. But at the same time, I'm getting physical exercise. So I get more active and it works out. And so you you tend to look for the positive. And I think exercising, eating right, you find a lot of positives in that. And and so you can go back and forth. That makes sense? Yeah, it it does. And I think a lot of people can relate to what you're saying, because while we may have not had a small heart attack, like... You say, you know, that's your words, a small heart attack, uh, uh, according to your doctor. (laughs) But but we're living in a very strange time right now. We we, uh, hear words like the great uh, resignation, people leaving their jobs because of stress, uh, leaving them for different reasons there. But uh, it's also a time for a great reset, perhaps Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, for, for each of us, you know, I think that we've all become a little bit more accustomed to what uh, goes into our bodies, what uh, frustrations and and difficulties that we would experience. You know, the, the last two years have been anything but normal. Yeah. So, yeah as absolutely. Talk, so as we talk about a great reset, maybe share some ideas with us about uh, what that reset looks like for you. And that's, that's, by the way, uh, one quick note, when the doctor said it was a small heart attack, I thought, man, I'd hate to see medium. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I guess it goes small all the way up to, well, that was a widow maker and that's a total reset. But at any rate, yeah, you're right. The last two years have been anything but normal. Um, I have been able to work out of my house and, 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 and by the way, it's no different you know, COVID has been terrible. The The pandemic has been terrible. People have lost their lives. People have been sick. But at the same time, it's there have been some positives. Okay. Mm-hmm. We, we've got Zoom now. We've got podcasts. So I'm sitting here in my basement talking with people from, from Utah who were recently warm in Florida, but I won't hold that against you. But, but, but right, I have been able to meet people from around the world and talk to people and make acquaintances and friendships around the world. One of the things, and that happened early on was our middle son had to come home and stay with us for a month. And every night, four of us were around the table at dinner. And I'm thinking, you know, this is such a great bonus. Is the pandemic bad? Absolutely. But here we are getting bonus time with our family, watching TV, doing jigsaw puzzles, you name it. And and that was in great things every night, you know, Joe and Tom and Beth and I had dinner and then we watch the show or whatever. And, and so you can find it in any place. And and the interesting piece about this is you're talking about a reset. People want to get back together. We want to get back out and we're starting to see that. But I don't think people are going to want to go back to the way things worked 
I mean, I want to still have conversations via Zoom with, with folks like you. I want to be able to work from here, avoid the commute if I don't have to do it, and, and still get the job done. So I think we can find a lot of positives out of it. Again, it was a pandemic. It's awful. But you can find positives in that situation. I completely agree with you, Phil. There are some really positives. I remember looking out our window early on in the pandemic, and there's the school track and field behind our home. And there were families out playing soccer. There were families out playing baseball. And we hadn't seen that. We had seen soccer going on, but that was practice and games with, you know, little league teams and such, but not families. And so I don't want to lose sight of those great things that have come from this reset. You know, it's, it, it is a reset, but we can pick and choose the good things, those great things as we move forward. Absolutely. Phil, we haven't, we, we haven't uh, known you for long, but uh, the one thing that I think is a characteristic is the fact that you're very positive mm-hmm. and yes. uh, we, we, we see that positivity and, and, and uh, your comment about uh, the good things that we've seen from a pandemic, I, I think is uh, an important conversation as we're having this right now. And, you know, we, we talk about, we, we talk about uh, electronics and zoom. I, I was part of a, uh, a meeting recently where the, they showed pictures of Thomas Ed Edison. They showed pictures of Henry Ford. They showed pictures of Mother Teresa. And the question was, who are these people? And then they showed the picture of the person that invented Zoom. And no one knew who it was. <laughs> and, and I think that before long, we will know who, who some of the innovators during this time have been. Uh, but speaking in, of innovation and of resets, what are some of the uh, resets that you've seen in people on a very positive way? You know, we, we can find all kinds of negatives. We were, Annette and I laughed because we were sitting behind someone on a bus uh, going to the Magic Kingdom last week in Orlando. And all she could do was complain. Her husband couldn't do this right. To The bus driver didn't know where he was going. <laughs> Uh, oh no, what, what's going to happen? And, and she was just a negative Nelly. And, oh. and, and it was so obvious that, uh, well, maybe, maybe it, had it affected her before the pandemic, but I'll tell you, oh, for sure, it, it had to have been a part of just her lifestyle and her mindset. And after they, you know, got off the bus, we had a little further to go to the next stop. And, and I leaned over to Mark and I said, she needs our post from today. Because the post that day was about being kind and giving people the benefit of the doubt. And it almost affected my day by hearing her negativity and everything. And I had to consciously choose, no, that's not going to affect me. I'm grateful that I'm seeking to see the great things in life and in people. And it made a difference. The, the thought was, is how could a person be so negative when they're getting ready to go to the Magic Kingdom? Oh, but, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but back to that reset, you know, give us some ideas. I know that you have of tricks. You call them your seven tricks to managing stress. Let's, let's talk a little bit about that and uh, how important those are and have been to you. So, so, yeah, one of them I think we've already talked about is just looking for the, <clears throat> excuse me, we, we talked earlier about, you know, Train your mind. I call it seeking the green, right? You close your eyes, look for green, and green's going to show it. So clo- look, train your mind to look for the positive. And that's the first one. The second one, like it, is stop looking for the negative. Hmm. And there was a study recently by um, a couple of psychologists from Harvard, uh, Michelle Galeen and Sean Aker, and and by the way, if you want to hear a hilarious TED talk, Sean Aker does a lot of work on positive psychology, and he has a TED talk that is just incredible, hilarious and incredible. But their study was, how important is it to be positive when you start your day? And so what they did was they divided their participants into two groups. The one group saw negative news for three minutes to start the day. 
And and that can just be news. It doesn't you you can agree with it, you can disagree with it, it doesn't matter. You put on the news, you're going to get hit with negative stories. Mm-hmm. All right. The other group saw solution-focused news, not just positive unicorns and rainbows and, and, and life is wonderful and all that, solution-focused. And then they asked them at the end of the day whether their day was positive or negative. With three minutes of negativity to start the day, you were 27% more likely to report having a bad day. Wow. And, and, and so that's two pieces, number one. Two pieces. First off, where are you putting the neg- where are you getting negativity in your life? And I talked before about Facebook, but you can you can go on Facebook and you can have negative people. You can have a bus full of the the lady that you met uh, on the way to the Magic Kingdom, depending on who's there, it, because people want to fight. They're they're behind this veil, right? I'm I'm sitting at my computer, so I'm not really talking to you. So I can say things about your opinion and about you that I would never say face to face. And even if you're not the person they're talking to, if you're watching that negativity back and forth, it's going to impact you. So so you subtract that negativity. And then the other piece of it is you can block people on Facebook. I I do that. If, if people, I don't care which side of the political, religious, whatever spectrum they are promoting, if they are being negative about it, I just block them. Yeah. And I tell people, great in real life when great on that bus if you could have just clicked a block button and she would have gone away right well on yeah. social media you can so i have people that are positive that show pictures of my niece in florida shows pictures of her one-year-old just turned one and uh her four-year-old and, and and so i get just this positive flood of pictures and and people who are sharing positive thoughts so so it's so that what is that that's number three manage your social media Right. It can be a great positive tool or it can drag you down into the mud. You just have to be careful which way you go. Yeah. You know, maybe even on top of that, uh, Phil, uh, managing your social media may be inclusive of uh, managing the amount of time that you spend on your social media. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, we, we've uh, we, we've found that uh, digital sunsetting. Is a, is a key to sleeping better. It's a key to, and, and it's kind of what you said about beginning your day only on the opposite end of your day. It makes yes. a difference for sure. Oh, I agree 110%. Yeah. Well, let's talk about number four. All right. So number four is share the love. And so, yeah, and that goes back to when I post on social media, I might tag somebody. I ran into somebody at the grocery store, a friend of mine, and we had a couple had a little conversation. And I've run into people at the grocery store. They're like, "Oh, are you going to tag me on great things?" I'm like, "Sure, yeah." Be- because honestly, standing here and talking with you for two minutes at Kroger was a great thing. Yeah. So share the love, recognize other people, uh, just do something nice for someone else, and and you know it's nice for them, but honestly, it's good for you. If you share the love, that's going to help you feel better and lower your stress. You know, the other thing it's going to do as well is it's going to uh, elicit a response from the person that uh, you recognized. Yep. And I'll, I'll tell you that positive confirmation and affirmation is is a two-edged sword. It, it, it uh, certainly helps a person that you're trying to, to, to build, but uh, it builds you up as well when you get uh, the response back from them. Wow, I didn't see that coming. I haven't... Mm-hmm. I haven't yeah. been uh, recognized for that uh, before. Yep. Thank you. Very good. So number five. Number five, you start start your day off right. And this is more than just the positive, positive, negative, but you start the day off right. And, and so the equation I use is A plus B plus C plus D. Now, I actually do them in reverse order, but I'm going to tell you what they stand for. A is affirmations, and that can include, can include an affirmation of your faith, a prayer, but some sort of positive affirmation. B is a book. I read the Bible in the morning. It, some sort of book that has an uplifting message for you. That's B. For me, C is coffee. I get one cup of coffee a day, but but you know what? It's really good. At one cup of caffeinated coffee. And I enjoy it and I make it and the smell and everything. It, that's C. And it's just something to be grateful for. And then for me, D is dogs. Because we have three dogs. And I'm telling you, dogs are the happiest, most wired to have a great time creature. 
God ever put on this earth. And, and, you know, they haven't seen me for what, six hours or eight hours or whatever. They are happy to see me. They are grateful. They love dog food, right? You feed them dog food. They're like, that is the most wonderful thing in the world. You're the most wonderful person. Two of the three will take turns on my lap in the morning. And I mean, they're, they're Labrador retrievers. This is no small thing that gets up on my lap, but it's like, we know you're having your coffee. We know you want to read your Bible, but we're going to get on your lap and tell you how great you are first. So I, I really like that. And I like, you know, for you, that, that comfort is your coffee. Yes. And, and, you know, that comfort for me might be something else. Right. But it's recognizing what we need and allowing ourselves to to feel that that kindness and love and that self-care yep and, and then when i add the four of them together a plus b plus c plus d equals g it's gratitude yeah mm. and, and and the way i have read and, and heard you practice gratitude is you actually put yourself back in that moment you know person place or thing you know it so today, maybe I'm grateful for my oldest son. And I put myself back in the moment when I first held my my first child in the hospital. And just for 30 seconds to a minute, you experience that. It, and the coffee, you know, one sip and I, I'm, I'm experiencing that. Dogs can always make the list because they're right there on the lap. But you just take two or three things and you just put yourself in the moment and you get this overwhelming gratitude and it starts you off on the right foot. You know, it's it's interesting. We're we're seeing a uh, connection here mm-hmm. uh, with with some of these here. It's 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 starting the day off right, uh, and and that could even be number one in our book because uh, we've we've found that the things that we do, whether it's uh, uh, saying our prayers, whether it's uh, reading uh, scriptures together, or whether it's uh, doing some type of a mindful exercise, those are all important habits that we create. And I think that sometimes you're absolutely right. Uh, if, if you start out with three minutes of total negativity, you're, you are going to have, I mean, what, what, what are the uh, alternatives? You're going to have a bad day more than likely. And so we, we stress quite a bit the importance of mindfulness in the mornings and uh, starting out your day in a way that uh, you have control over everything that's happening. It, uh, you know, Everybody has a little bit of a different situation that they're having to deal with. Maybe the first moment you wake up in the morning is is the moment that you hear your child cry. And mm-hmm. you get up to, to help the child uh, to get up and uh, whatever the need might be. And that might be difficult, especially, you know, for young parents. But, uh, you know, we, we're in a situation, maybe similar to you, where we have an opportunity of being able to take those first few moments of the day to do what we need to do in order to create an atmosphere of good. Yep. And so I like, I like that. Uh, and, and I, the concept though, the structure of what you've a plus B plus C plus D equals G. It works for all of us, no matter what, what phase of life we can find ourselves in. And, and that's what I love is it, it's flexible. Yes. And, and so, you know, that, you know, friends, as you're listening to this, think about what your equation looks like Yeah. to equal yeah. that G, to equal that gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. But it all comes back to that one, that but, one point of G, the gratitude. The gratitude. Yep. And when you get there, you're, yeah. I, and I've, I said in the book too, you're not going to have a great day every day. I know the book, the book title says great things happen every day. And I believe they do, but it's not going to be every single day. One of Zig Ziglar's quotes was all, all sunshine and no rain makes for a desert. So there, there will be difficult days, but I call it the, the great things happen math, right? So 30 days in a month, let's just say, and let's just say that three of them, no matter how hard you try to screw them up, they're going to be great days, no matter what. Although after your Disney story, maybe three is a little high for some people. <laughs> <laughs> and, and on the other end, three of them are going to be bad. And, and no amount of positive thinking or affirmations or whatever are going to keep them from being a bad day. Let's just say that, right? So that's six. That leaves 24 in the middle. And if you're doing 
positive thinking in the in the A and the B and the C and the D and the G, those 24 are mostly going to go your way and they're going to be on the positive side of the ledger. And if you start with negativity, they're going to go on the wrong side of the ledger. But, yeah. but let's take that uh, for a second, though, before we go on to number six. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, let's say that we're having a good day and all of a sudden something that is out of our control happens. Uh, you know, how, how do we create that reset in the middle of the day? So that's where I have to ask myself, did I have, do I have any control over this? And, and it's not easy because, you know, you get cut off in traffic and you didn't have any control over it. You're still, you can still go, you know, um, but the story I tell is when I went back to work after the heart attack, it had been about three months that I was off. And I went back to work and my boss called me and he said, you know, you wanted that pet project uh, that you had this idea for a pet project. And we said we were considering it. Well, we started to talk about it. And we canceled it. We, we can't do it. And I said, OK. And, and it took him aback right? <laughs> because the old Phil would have been, you know, throwing stuff in his in his office or whatever. And, and he said, OK, he said, what changed? And I'm thinking. You don't remember the heart attack? I just <laughs> <laughs> said, boss, I had a heart attack. You know what? In the grand scheme of things, I'm back here. I'm alive. I'm going on my way back to health. If, if, they, if we aren't going to do my big project, that project idea I had, we'll do something else. It's fine. So you, you kind of have to look at it in that way. Is that easy? Absolutely not. 100% of the time, absolutely not. But as much as I can, I look at can I control this? Do I have any control whatsoever? And oftentimes the answer is I can't control the event, but I can control the way I react to it. Sounds like a serenity prayer. <laughs> and yeah, that's a good one. It, it is. But what you, like you said, you can control how you react to it. And I often think, do I want to let this ruin my day? Right. And, but be, but and, before you even get to that, though, you have to be mindful enough to be able to to say that in your own mind. Well, it's and it's taken it's taken practice. Yeah, it's taken that mindfulness. It doesn't happen overnight. Oh no, no, it doesn't. But as we strive and give ourselves, you know, a break and don't get so angry that we react a way that we don't want to react. Mm-hmm. And just say, you know, I'll do better next time. Right. And, you know, it, it'll it'll come, but it takes consistency in striving to. It's to, building. It's building that uh, resilience. Building that uh, yes ability to uh, to face exactly those uh, difficulties that we have. Okay, let's let's go on to number six before we get sidelined here. <laughs> <laughs> so number six, uh, I tried to make them all S's and. and so I wrote self-love, but that it, it, I have seen the word self-love a hundred times. So I, I don't know. It, you can call it self-love, but the thing of it is you have to be able to forgive yourself. You have to be able to laugh at yourself and, and you have to be able to see the good in yourself. Cause if you don't see the good in yourself, you're not going to see the good in, the, in others. Mm-hmm. And I had, well, it's since I started working out of the office here at home, I had something that just at the time I was like, boy, I'm, I'm just really terrible at what I'm doing here. What happened was I'm sitting right here at the time and I went up to get a cup of coffee or a soft drink or something. And uh, it would have been decaf. So and, and <laughs> because you've I, already had your one for the day. Exactly. And I knew that I was expecting a phone call from the accounting group for the doctor's office about my son's coverage. So I get upstairs and my iPhone is still down here and my watch rings <laughs> and, and I hate trying to, you know, Dick Tracy was always there. Yeah. I, I can't do that. Right. But I'm, I'm, I'm outside get soaking up a little sun. And I think I'm never going to make it back downstairs. This is, it's probably going to be them. So I answered it on my watch and I immediately start trying to talk to this lady and I'm apologizing. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just awful at this. You know, you'd think, and I'm beating myself up inside my head. Right. And thinking, you know, you're working at home. How can you not figure this out? Why did you not bring up your phone, et cetera? And so I I said, I'm going to go back in and I'm going to get on the phone downstairs. And when I walk back in the house, I have a Bluetooth speaker. 
I play my eighties music from my phone and you can, you can accidentally trust me on this, hit your watch and turn the Bluetooth speaker up to 11. And that was exactly what happened. And so I can hear the music from upstairs, just blaring, you know, 80s music. And and now I'm like super apologizing. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And, and so I put my hand over the watch and I come down and I turn it off and, and then I get her on the phone and I'm thinking, you know, what is wrong with you, Phil? And, and not at all seeing the humor in this. So we start talking and I said, now let me give my son's coverage information. And so I started talking and she goes, no, stop, stop. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh, I did something here. I, so I, I stopped. I said, uh, I'm sorry. And she goes, oh, oh no, Mr. Barth, not you. You see, I work out of my house too. And we're trying to potty train our two-year-old son. <laughs> he just walked into my office and found a bucket. And there you go. And, and so now all of a sudden we're just both laughing, laughing. Like crazy. And, and it's like, we're all in the same boat. We're all trying to figure it out. Don't beat yourself up. Laugh at yourself. And, and huge stress reduction on both of our ends. So, you know, just don't take yourself seriously. Learn how to laugh at yourself. And, and fortunately, I come up with a hundred silly things a day that I can laugh at. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great, great story. You know, I think uh, along with that, too, uh, of being able to uh, laugh at ourselves and forgive ourselves, uh, the, the idea of being authentic is, is uh, a key consideration for all of us. You know, we all try to put on our best face, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that uh, too often we, we don't want to admit maybe that uh, we, we uh, are maybe less than perfect. Uh, right. we, we don't want to look less than perfect. And I think that many of us in our in our uh, growing up and formidable years there, maybe in the 60s and the 70s, maybe even in the 80s, perhaps our parents tried to shield us from the imperfections of life. They would sweep sweep the imperfections under the under the uh, rug so that uh, no one else would see them. And we've grown up in an age where we have to feel like we look, and act perfectly. And that causes an awful lot of stress as well. Yep. So, sure so the, whole, the whole idea of uh, self-love, I think, goes much further than just forgiveness. It yeah. uh, really encompasses that idea of being able to be authentic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep, I would agree. Okay, number seven. We're excited here. Well, number seven, and, and we kind of touched on this a little bit, but um, savor your memories and the, and the moments. And we talked about, you know, when, when we had our son at home for the month in uh, at the start of the pandemic, that was one. But uh, in 2019, before the pandemic, uh, my dad had had uh, struggled with dementia for a number of years. And he passed away in 2019. And, and so I was on the road. I came home and, and we had the funeral and I spent a little time with mom before the funeral. And then after the funeral, went right back home and had to fly to uh, Canada. So got up to Canada and, you know, they're on the West coast there somewhere. And, and so I just crash and burn in bed. And then the next morning I got up and it was like five in the morning. And I was like, uh, you know, it it all came down on me. Right. It's like, Oh man, you know, I I know he's in a better place. I know his suffering's over, but I'm feeling this loss of my father. And so I said, well, I got my headphones on. I stumbled onto this. I got my headphones on and I went to the treadmill to at the hotel fitness center. And I started running and it suddenly hit me. And I'm not, I'm not going to say her name because she'll start playing in the background. But I said to my <laughs> digital assistant, play Waylon Jennings. And the reason was because my dad loved Waylon Jennings. And so as I listened to it, it was like, I'm not, I'm not concerned about the, the man who was in his eighties that passed away. Suddenly I'm back in the station wagon as we're driving to Florida and Disney world, it all comes around. Right. And, right. and dad's playing a Waylon Jennings and we're just having a great time. And I think there are so many songs that you can, when you play, it just brings you back to this wonderful memory of someone who may have passed away, someone in your life. And, 
and I could list song after song of, oh, I remember this. This song was playing uh, when my wife and I did our first dance at the wedding. This song was, and, and you go and you just listen to that music and it takes you back in time. So it's like a little time machine back to a really happy moment. And it, and this was time that wasn't really happy. You know, again, dad was in a better place, but it, you know, I wasn't right. I was, I was in Canada missing my dad. Well, I was able to kind of channel my thoughts using music and savor, savor a prior moment. And it was a really good memory, a fantastic memory. You know, how could it not be? We're driving to Disney world. (laughs) You know, that is, that is such a great uh, thought. You know, we, we all have tragedies. Uh, we all have uh, difficulties. Uh, we, we, we often, though, we think of the negativity versus the positivity. And, you know, what, what you're saying, I, we, we can relate to. We, we, oh, yeah. When we lost our 21-year-old son from a brain tumor, uh, you know, we, we, we think of how difficult that was in the last days of his life. But then we, then we smile because of all of the, the, the wonderful times that we had with him. And uh, you have to do that because you begin thinking about uh, the negativities of the, the small or the large disasters that you've had in your life. And all of a sudden you become, you become a, a, a creature of habit. And, and you also begin to think about those things more and more and more to the point that it can be debilitating. Right. Uh, you know, what was, what was that show that the kids, uh, where there's that negative girl, it's a cartoon show. Uh, uh, no, it's not up. What is it? But uh, there's all these different emotions. It is. Uh, is it up? Uh, I'm pretty sure that they each each different. It's a Disney Disney movie. Yeah, and, <laughs> you know, and, there's uh, happy, there's sad, there's depressed, there's you know all the different things. But the other important thing in number seven here, and and savoring these memories in these moments is that in this experience you shared, Phil, is that you allowed yourself to feel. And and I love music too. And, you know, when you're talking about music, I, I smiling because Mark can, you know, we'll be driving down the road and it's basically name that tune. And this is what happened when this song, you know, back in, 1973 or whatever, <laughs> exactly, you know, the song and what memory it brings up. It's and amazing how that happens. It, it is. But, you know, a lot of us think, okay, you know, especially in this grieving process that, okay, you know, it's time. I shouldn't be grieving. I shouldn't be sad. I should be, you know, go on. But I love how you embraced this and that you put on those headphones and you listen to the favorite music, which then brought the flood of memories. Yeah. And it was a huge healing piece, I'm sure, in your life. Yeah, absolutely. And and I used it subsequently, too, because you don't just it, it doesn't take just one time when oh, you're no. doing that kind of healing. But yeah, music and. And, and Dad liked a lot of different kinds of music. It just so happened that uh, Waylon Jennings was where his interests and my interests intersected for the most part. So um, that was that was the perfect one. So, I, I, I love it. I, I do too. And it, but it, you know, again, savor those memories and those moments. And it was a conscious choice you made. Yes. There's there's no such thing as uh, grieving too long or too short. We all grieve in our different ways and. Yes. We all struggle at a different uh, times and and different places. And, you know, there will be times when I'm a little bit down and Annette will see that. And that's one of the things I love about uh, our relationship is that uh, we we build upon each other, I think. And the good thing is, is that we're neither we're usually not down at the same time. Uh, but uh, but but you're so right. You know, savor those moments and those memories. And uh, for me, uh it's uh, putting on the headphones and listening to Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. <laughs> See, I, I am right there with you. <laughs> what memory did you just have? Oh, I love, yeah. And, and I managed to pass that down to my three sons. They all love Pink Floyd, so. Excellent. That's Excellent. Great. So, go ahead, Annette. You were no, I, I'm just thinking about how these experiences, I mean, just... 
in, you know, you talked about the equation of the mornings and how you start your day and the, the seven trips. I mean, it doesn't take you all day. You know, all of our lives are busy and right. people might say, well, I don't have time. Well, explain to them how long and, you know, why they want to find the time in their life to do something to create a routine, a reset that will help them, you know, with their stress management, help them see the great in every day. And, and uh, I would say pick one. pick And, and if you're going to pick one, make it the morning. Start yourself with three to five minutes of positivity, positivity in the morning. And, and start there, and you're going to be amazed at how much better that makes the rest of your day and you're going to find, at least I did, I found more time in the day when I wasn't worried about negativity you know, and, and, and tuning in the news to see what the latest uh, tragedy was and so on. I had more time. The other piece of it is when you start looking for those great things, and, and maybe that's the one you pick because that was the first one I picked, is list what's great. Take five minutes at the end of the day. You don't have to put it on social media. Tag me if you do, but write it down somewhere. This is what's great in my life. And you will be amazed if you keep doing that, what happens to your brain. And, and your brain is wired for positivity and you will be blown away because it doesn't take time. It gives you time in my mind. Best tricks ever. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> now, you, a lot of these things that we, we learn through experience, but uh, we don't get through this life by ourselves. Uh, there are those that help us along the way. Uh, we, we, we often talk on this uh, podcast about trail angels and uh, the significance of what a trail angel is. Someone that's been there before. Someone that's laid important foundations. It could be a, it could be a family member. It could be a clergy member. It could be someone that you are a coworker with. It could be a neighbor. It could be anyone. Are there any trail angels that stand out to you, Phil? There, there are a lot, and and when you said clergy, there was there clergy, there's family, but this one, I think, God put him in my path at the exact right time. So it was around May. I had the heart attack in August. In May, I was speaking at a Toastmasters club. I'm a member of Toastmasters, and I was preparing because I was in August, the week after I had the heart attack. I was supposed to be in Las Vegas speaking at the Toastmasters conference. All right. So I was speaking at this club and my friend Tom happened to be there. And so we're talking. I said, well, hey, Tom, I haven't seen you in a while. What's going on? And and Tom said, well, I just had a heart attack recently. And I'm looking at him and, and this guy is about my size. He's about my age. And I'm just like, you know, non-smoker as far as I know, he worked out fairly well. And, and I'm like, goodness, well, well, tell me more about it. Well, now Tom is also a minister and he's, and he's a speaker. And, and so when you tell somebody like that to tell me more, you're going to get the whole story, <laughs> right? So, so Tom laid it out and he said, you know, about three months before the heart attack, I found myself falling asleep on the couch, just sitting there watching TV, couldn't stay awake. And then, and then he ne lists the next thing he goes. And then with about a week to go, I started having problems climbing stairs and getting out of breath. Well, fast forward about three months, I start falling asleep watching TV. Wow. And, you know, in the back of my mind, there's a little voice. Well, then I'm at scout camp. And all of a sudden, I've been there every year. And this year, it was like the hills were higher. And I was getting outwinded. And I was getting out of breath. And everything that happened, there was a voice in the back of my head that said, you know, Tom said that. And Tom said that, and and I didn't want to. I didn't want to listen, right? I did not want to listen. And if I hadn't talked to Tom, I wouldn't have listened. I would have ignored it. I would have gone to Las Vegas and probably had a bigger heart attack out in Las Vegas than than had I not met with Tom. And so finally, when I, I I gave in and found out I'd had the small heart attack. And again, if Tom hadn't been there laying out, this is these are the symptoms because. I'm looking for the classic, you know, the down the right arm, it's hurting, and, and then the chest pains. It was none of that. It, there were some symptoms, but it was what Tom told me. And I really think he was put in my path at that time to save me later. 
but equally as important, you were willing to listen. True. Yeah. And, and I and I think that's important uh, that uh, we we recognize the importance of of uh, of listening to those around us uh, that uh, can can uh, give us uh, insights and uh, help us to yeah. get out of our our norm. And it was that says a lot to who you are, Phil. When you asked them, well, tell me about it. You sincerely wanted to know how he was and this oh, problem. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't just, oh, this is what I should say. No. And, I, and I think as we are, are authentic and allow those things to come through, there are so many gems and trail angels in life. If we listen and not listen with the intent to answer, you know, sometimes we're listening ahead of the game. Okay. Well, how am I going to respond to this? But I think you're right. You know, if you wouldn't have listened and understood that could have been a real tragedy in your life. Cause I'm sure it would have been much worse. Oh, Oh, absolutely. So, so Phil, before we give you the last word and before we uh, ask for you to leave us with some wisdom, we're, we're going to change the, uh, the channel just for a minute. Mm. Okay. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, who wants to be a millionaire. I guess we could look at this very positively and say that you won $32,000 from being on uh, who wants to be a millionaire. But, but the question remains in my mind, what was the question that uh, you were not able to answer? Okay. <laughs> so that's, I get that one a lot. So there, there's a little bit of a backstory. When I was in high school, I was on the high school quiz team, and, and it was a tournament-based thing. We would go on TV, and if you won, you got to keep playing, and if you lost, you were out for the year. So – our team won our first three games, lost in the semifinals. So that basically took us the whole year as the tournament played out one game a week. And every time we met or went to that studio, my our, our advisor, who was also the history teacher, said, somebody on this team needs to learn Greek mythology. And he said, Barth, you need to learn Greek mythology. I'm, I'm a senior in high school. I'm going to study computer science. Right. So, didn't affect us in that tournament. But now you're set for what the $64,000 question is. Going to be. <laughs> oh, yeah. $64,000. The term mentor comes from Greek mythology. And when I saw that pop up, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Right? Mentor was friend and trusted advisor to whom? And I'll give you the choices. You might know it. Uh, your choices are Oedipus, Hercules, Odysseus and Achilles. I was going to say Odysseus. Well, I wish I would have known you back then. (laughs) (laughs) I I still had two lifelines. I not only had not studied Greek mythology, I didn't make any friends who knew Greek mythology. (laughs) (laughs) And and so 30 seconds of silence on my phone, a friend. And then I took the 50-50 and... And just before they, I took the 50-50, I realized that I did know just a little bit. I knew that Oedipus wasn't a Greek Greek hero. Right. So if it left me Oedipus and something else, Oedipus was going to be wrong. I picked the other one. I also knew that Achilles had the whole heel thing, but not much else. So it probably wasn't Achilles. And of course, when I took the 50-50, it left me Hercules and Odysseus. I didn't know I picked Hercules. So because you got a free guess. Exactly. And, exactly. Well, that, that's fun. Hey, at least you went away with uh, with a smile on your face and some money in your pocket. Well, and that night that my my mentor, high school quiz team advisor, was one of the people I had set up as a phone a friend. And so I called him and he said, well, so what'd you miss? And I said it was a question on Greek mythology. And he just started laughing. So I told you. <laughs> it happens. It, oh, it happens. Awesome. Yeah. And, and that gets back to the whole message, right? I could be sitting there going, I could have won sixty-four thousand or a million dollars. I got a check for thirty-two thousand dollars. I really awesome? don't feel bad about that. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. No, no kidding. Well that that's that's fun. Yeah, you know, this is this has been a quick uh quick hour. Quick hour. Uh 
But, you know, we, we want to leave you with the last word. You know, we, we've talked about a lot of things. We've kind of been all over the place. But at the same time, I think that there has been a central message of uh, being able to find that authentic self as we try to to reset during a difficult time in, in our lives and in the history of the world, quite frankly. And so what advice, what admonition perhaps would you give our listeners as a means of uh, some positive whatever it is that they can leave with that will help them to be able to make these changes in their life that uh, are probably more difficult than they might, or actually more easy than they might think that they really are. I don't yeah. know. Does that make sense? That, that absolutely did. Um, it, and start by finding what's good in your life, finding what's good in life. Shut out a lot. Turn, turn off the news. If, if that's dragging you down, Turn it off. You know, stay informed, but but find the right way to do it. Don't start the day negative. Just find what's good in your life. And it may be a struggle at first, but if you find it and you write it down and you you think about it for just a few minutes every day, I promise you, over time, your mind is going to take over and find it for you. And it won't take any effort at all. It'll just be there. Mm-hmm. Turn off the news and uh, turn on the 80s hits. There 80s or Pink Floyd. Or Pink Floyd. <laughs> any any Pink Floyd is good Pink Floyd. <laughs> well, listeners, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. We hope that you've enjoyed our conversation with Phil Barth as we've discussed uh, so many different things, but we've focused on, on resets and uh, on how we can uh, manage our stress. And I hope that you took notes as we discussed those uh, seven ideas, those uh, seven thoughts Phil, you call them tricks, but uh, they're, they're, they're mindsets. They, they are they're something that uh, we uh, need to uh, exercise. And, and I'm grateful for you sharing those with us. Listeners, each of us have a story to share. Brene Brown, author, reminds us that owning our story is the bravest thing that we'll ever do. The stories and experiences that our guests share, they inspire us. They help us to grow and they connect with others. We invite you to become a part of carrying the load community through social media as well as to share the site with those you know we are stronger together keep caring